Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. This is Monica Ramirez from uh, the Heart of Artist Talk, and we're I'm presenting one of my dear sisters. Ruby Avila, and uh, I have the pleasure to have her here. Oh, thank God you're hearing us. So, and Ruby is, uh, let me, pre uh, uh, she present herself because I have her here. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, it's a little bit different. We had actually planned on doing the podcast from where I was at, but I was having issues <laughs> with internet. So, you know, it actually worked out better this way because it's, it's our comfort zone. This is what we do already. <laughs> Um, anyway, I've lived in the Valley for a vast majority of my life. Um, I'm really a Valley native. I wasn't born in the Valley. I was actually born in San Antonio, Texas and transplanted here in 89. But I mean, that's most of my life anyway. So um, I guess somewhere along the line, I was very drawn to, to not necessarily painting, but liking paintings and we before the mics actually went back on we were talking about what was it that fueled me to paint and I told her I didn't know if it was a gift by default thing that I got every Christmas by my hands <laughs> but maybe it was something that they, they were nurturing that they saw in me but either way I took to it and it was just always something that I did either and just to soothe myself if I was stressed or bored in class or sick at home anything I, I took to watercolors and mostly oils. I got a lot of oil sets. So, I mean, I took to that pretty well and destroying my dad's paintbrushes. <laughs> but it was a way for you also at the same time to express your emotions or what it was there? Oh, most definitely. You know, growing up as a kid, you don't, especially a kid in the Valley, if you're trying to be the good kid in the family. And in my case, it wasn't so much being the good kid in the family. I was very, I was very young or so so young I was like seven when I first had my first sibling come along so at that point I'd already spent seven years by myself and kind of just exploring who I was as a young little individual and it was you don't have a lot of outlets at that age and it's not like you hop in your car and go anywhere you kind of just stuck at home and at that point I think it was you know, a little bit different, the area that we lived in, there wasn't a whole lot for us to do or for me to do anyway. And it was a way to, to express myself, you know, without making too much noise or getting into trouble. And when you're the firstborn, you're, you're a pleaser, you please your parents. Before we continue, I just wanted to remark a little bit of the biography of Ruby that uh, her work is being exhibited in museums and cultural centers among private collectors and in the following areas, in the Rio Grande Valley, in Dallas, San Antonio, San Marcos, Texas, Houston, Texas, El Paso, Texas, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, California, Los Angeles, California, Piedras Negras, Mexico, Venice, and Bari, Italy, where there is a permanent art exhibit in Venice of her work. She's also a curator of Art Awakenings, Uh, cultural events where she organized art exhibits and helped other artists too at the same time. So she is a professional international artist. Just to remark that from my dear sisters. You see, uh, forget you, that. You, you, you deserve <laughs> to talk about that. 
because in my experience, they, they have teach us as society, the ego is bad. Don't believe too much in yourself because if you believe too much in yourself, you are just an egoistic. So just mm -hmm. stop believing who you are. So it is very hard to talk about you in the biographies because we're trying to control the ego, but then we stop believing who we are. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I have, she's, she's reading this, you know, and it's, yes, I have curated art shows and I've exhibited in many places and I forget that. I forget, it is part of the ego because you're scared to take that on and you're scared to own it. You really are scared to own it, even if it's something good and not necessarily something to feed the ego. Um, as an artist, you are either very inflated or you're very, I guess, deflated because you have absolutely <laughs> no, you have, there's the ups and the downs, you know, you, it, it's a roller coaster. It really is. How was it in your stage of creation? Because we all are different. We all artists, we go into different states of creations and we have different needs and, and, and when we are going to create, we have a process. But also you have a daughter. Yeah. So uh, how that process of creation go with you with your own daughter? Well, it's been a minute since I've painted, but the process is always the same. Uh, you don't sleep a whole lot. You don't sleep a whole lot. You still have to wake up early in the morning and get your child ready for school and go to meetings and go to work. And you're running on about maybe two hours of sleep or none at all if you're crazy like us. But do you have a ritual? Because I do have a ritual when I paint. It's ridiculous, but I have my ritual every time. I'm going to start a new canvas. I go into process. I have to clear my area, yeah. put paints in a certain way. It is it's just a ritual. So what, what ritual do you, uh, do you use? Well, prior, I, I mean, my life has obviously taken on a very different dynamic within the last year. But there were there were times when... I used to paint on the floor of one of our old places and I loved painting by the window and it was just me, a shop light, my easel and just bunched up in this little corner by the window painting. And I loved my little spot. That was my favorite. And that's when my child was small, you know, and I could keep an eye on her mm. and it was very peaceful. You say, she says she remembers it. Yeah, she yeah. does. <laughs> <laughs> and I would rinse my brushes out in the bathroom and everything was done in almost complete silence. If I listened to anything, it was like buds in my ears. Uh, I was a night owl to the extreme. I was very delirious a lot of the time. I don't remember a lot of what happened during several years. <laughs> I don't know how it was functioning. There was, you skip down the line, we're in a new home and I felt like painting one day. I needed a new space and I just half-assed it. I didn't even paint the room completely. I painted half of it until it just felt different. <laughs> and there was a space big enough for brighter light to bounce off the walls. And that's where I painted, also on the floor. It was just my favorite way to paint. Um, from there, I moved out of that room and I took on an entirely different room in the house, which was the garage. And at that time, it was very odd because I'd stacked up palettes that I'd collected. I think they were like Pepsi palettes or something. And it was just so cozy to have a little platform 
And I was completely surrounded by all my canvases. And I sat there probably for about a week without sleeping, just staring at black, like these blank canvases. And they were really overwhelming. They were really overwhelming. In fact, that was the beginning of the collection that's behind me. Um, this one, these paintings were exhibited in the uh, in STC. It is the South Texas uh, Community College here in the Valley, and uh, and also they were exhibited somewhere else. I have no idea. Uh, I wasn't living here anymore. I remember uh, we, they were exhibited somewhere else too. And uh, and well, how do you choose the colors that you're uh, you're gonna use? Because also every single artist painter they have their own palette, their own colors that they use, and uh, and it has to do with the, I don't know with the personality or the mood or or what. What are, how do you choose your um, palette? No, honestly, I'm turning. I had to turn around and look at the pieces I did have because several of them were from a different collection. So there's a few collections all thrown together here and the, the palettes are very different in both of them. One of them is very, I, I don't know if it's politically correct to say it or not, but very ethnic looking. There's a lot of desert tones in it. And I think during that time I was kind of uh, channeling a lot of my my Mexican heritage, you know, my, my Mexican roots there. And we had taken a pilgrimage to New Mexico. And there was just a lot of stuff that was going on that inspired these colors. Um, it was a very introspective time in my life. Uh, the last ones, though, you know, they were. It was a lot of discovering other females. Uh, there was just some nasty stuff. There's there is nasty stuff going on in the world, man. And, you know, females get taken advantage of a lot and, and with sex slaves and the whole nasty sex trade and whatnot, this last, this last um, collection anyway, it was just very inspired by that. But I'm very subtle in the way I'm, I portray things and I wanted them to look a little bit dreamier. And I, of course, I wasn't going to demean anybody by, by painting something grotesque because that's not my style. I mean, that, that is some people's style, but not mine. And they're very soft. They're very, very soft. The colors in them are soft. Some of them are bold, but only because I needed to, to portray night in them. So they are like more solid colors, more bold colors that I chose for that. And how long did it take you to, to create a painting? I mean, if you go from the beginning for part of this, when I sat there for a week in the dark, like, from not sleeping, you know, without doing anything. So if you count 14 that, fourteen hours, sixteen hours a day. Uh, uh, you're talking about eight hours every night, just staring at blank canvases before anything even happened. Yeah. And after that, I think it went from it was probably about six months to pump out um, seven paintings, five paintings, something like that. Yeah, we, yeah. Yes, because when you're going to have an art exhibit. You have to have a certain amount of paintings. Yeah. And uh, so you have to create a collection or whatever you are going to be participating in. That's why she's talking about the six paintings for this art exhibit that we participate. <coughs> and obviously, uh, that's some, uh, I would like to talk about the attachment to the paintings mm. because I know all artists, even if we create with hoping to sell, uh, 
Yeah. That, that's another, something that we're going to talk in a bit. Uh, <laughs> you get attached to your paintings. Super attached. Right. Yeah. It is how it feels when you sell them at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you have people. But how do you feel? You know, I had a lady come up to me one day at one of our shows and she offered me a lot of money for a really small painting. And I thought, this is so ridiculous. Like, why would you pay that amount for such a small painting? <laughs> <laughs> and part of that made me not want to sell it to her just because I thought she was throwing her money in my face. But then when she came back over and over and over and she said, look, you don't get it. Like, I love Frida. I love the style you painted her in. Like, it doesn't get better than that for me. And, you know, it kind of took me, it kind of took me back a little bit. And I really saw the sincerity in what she was telling me. And I mean, yeah, who doesn't need an extra 400, 500 bucks? You know what I mean? Anybody could use that. But mm, I still didn't want to sell it to her. She left and I think I probably cried on the way home <laughs> or, or, or bitched a whole lot. <laughs> but you know somewhere in her home i think she really enjoys her frida <laughs> so you know that doesn't feel so bad but the rest of them yeah i haven't wanted to get rid of them it's very 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 difficult can you tell us uh your experience participating in art galleries in art exhibits oh man it's a jungle out there guys <laughs> you i mean as an artist you every the world is your stage It really is. And as a painter, you're not necessarily the actor on that stage. You're painting the actor. So you're from a different, you're taking things on from a different perspective, you know? So your stage just gets way broader and your shows just become broader. I mean, we've exhibited on cultural center steps out in 103 degree heat oh, oh you know it's still painting that way uh all the way to i don't know what the like 40,000 square foot factories uh galleries we have beautiful galleries amazing gorgeous galleries uh beautiful cultural centers museums yes museums but that's what i mean like you're you're your stages becomes way broader. But how do you feel as an artist when you exhibit in any place of that? It's fun. It's fun. There's a part of it where you're just, yes, you're ecstatic, but at the same time, you're kind of crapping your pants because you're wondering like, how the hell or what the hell was I thinking that had taken on such a huge endeavor or such a small one because we've had places that have been so tiny and not wacky but just not your traditional gallery or even we've even put stuff on the ceilings yes. and it's been a trip because you're here wondering like oh my gosh this is somebody's art piece like if that falls that's like three thousand dollars i owe somebody like halfway across the world <laughs> but you do it you figure it out yeah that's true have what problems do you have seen exhibiting your work with galleries because there is a, a common a commonality in, the, in there when you're building your art career when you're already an established artist and you already have a gallery representation you're fine mm -hmm. but to get the gallery representation what is your experience mm -hmm. you have to be okay with rejection you can't see rejection as rejection you have to see rejection as a critique 
and I guess I've received a lot of critiques. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you handle that well, or maybe you don't because I haven't painted in such a long time. But I don't know. It's just, it's a little bit different because dealing with the gallery, there's so many other things that you have to meet. There's so many other requirements and documents assigned. Things are a little bit more legit. It's not so thrown together or going with what the artist or the curator is feeling it's things are rigid they're very very rigid um critiques are rigid very dry and you learn real fast that the competition is is out there it's out there and you're just this teeny tiny little fish in this gigantic sea and you're dealing with the egos Absolutely, the galleries mm-hmm. of the artists, of the people that you're going to exhibit, and how that feels, all that, because there is there is a competition basically. There is not a unity and love and kumbaya. No, no, not at all. Uh, how how it is? Yeah, they're definitely not kumbaya hippies. <laughs> yes, definitely <laughs> not. No, these people they don't care. Um, I walked half a mile on a broken foot with I don't know what 13 paintings to have to walk back half a mile on a broken foot with 13 paintings (laughs) they don't give two shits it's just like hey good try kid like you're you're on to something don't don't Uh, stop don't forget the driving a thousand miles to get oh yeah (laughs) you know the driving a thousand miles and I don't know eating things that are outside of your element and yeah to get you know, there it's an adventure and then to get rejected yeah and it's okay though you know that's what i said like you just have to take it on as an adventure you can't see it as rejection it's just that's the best critique you're gonna get like some people pay money for that and yeah we obviously paid money for that we drove there you know and we traveled and stayed for a good while and but but as an experience, you you take in that it, everything. You take in the adventure as a whole. And had it not been for that, I wouldn't have pumped out an entirely different collection after that. Yeah. That's when you did the collection of the ballet. <laughs> yeah, really. That was um the painting in the back is a uh, hmm, but yeah, the one with the cactus and that in the back is myself, just you know, basic ruby and a hoodie that had not slept it was that was actually a picture of me moving paint tubes in the garage sitting on top of the pallet pedestal bit built for myself <laughs> and I just happened to shoot a picture of it and I thought huh it just looked like I was constructing something which I was but I wasn't really doing crap at the time I was just staring at all these blank canvases so I started thinking well what am I constructing well I was building myself slowly i've been building myself slowly so that was just my roots that was a causeway and a lot of shipment containers i mean that's kind of us right we're like just small containers of information of experiences whatever there's the alamo and the hemisphere and there's all kinds of buildings there that kind of just represent little pieces of me but and I have a question. What uh, 
people usually they have a wrong conception about artists. They think that they, we have it all easy and we sing Kumbaya and we all love and unity and so forth. They have a very different vision of what a real artist life is because we have to pay bills. We have families, and at the same time, we have the need of uh, of create. So what would you tell to, I'm not talking about artists, that, that's the second one. I'm talking about the spectators, how they see artists. Uh, y'all gotta back off a little bit sometimes. <laughs> like Y'all expect too much from people. Uh, we're, we're still human, like we feel, and then we feel like a thousand times that. And they come and tell you from painting that you're selling in a thousand dollars. Here's a hundred. Ah, for a while that felt kind of demeaning to me, but I think that's why I've grown such a huge attachment to my paintings because I know their worth, and I know that those are not just maybe thirty-six or sixty or a hundred hours that went into painting something. That's a lifetime of experience. That's those are personal dreams and just personal messages or prayers or conversations, hidden jokes. That's everything in one painting. Like you can't tell me here's, you know, something that you are pricing for a thousand bucks. Here's a hundred bucks. Do no, take it, shove it. Like <laughs> keep your hundred bucks. Like, I don't want your hundred bucks. Go buy your wife dinner with that afterwards. Suck it up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because people have this tendency to do this to artists it's like oh I pay you have price mm. or things like that it's like they would not do that to a lawyer they would not do that to a bookkeeper why they do it to creative people you know trying to cut them off and, uh, and that's something so typical it is so people need to understand that art is also another job and it's a very important actually because we're storytellers of the of the time of the right now and the here and to we do it to paintings otherwise doing to music in the music in that time or that is expressing this moment in this era and this time and we deserve to get paid the same and uh, that's why you wanted to do this um this talk this podcast mm-hmm. So that, uh, to educate and and promote artists because we deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's not just myself, but so many artists. One, for instance, paints. She's been painting like way longer than I have. And I've seen people try to lowball her on her stuff. And, you know, she knows. Sometimes I, I just threw that together and I painted that on a cigar box because, hey, you know, I had to go to a fair or whatever. I had to show up with merch. But you can't tell her that that's not worth a hundred bucks if that's what she's asking for. Uh, no, she's got a nice, you know, long resume tucked away that says that's not worth a hundred bucks. If you can't just lowball somebody like that, so no, I, I really appreciate her efforts and and doing this for the artist community. And I'm kind of disappointed that I was the first one because so many of y'all were so scared to do this. This is really sad. I mean, I know I made a comment earlier in the week and said that. I was probably going to cry, but that's just because I cry about everything. <laughs> I laugh too hard and cry. <laughs> artists usually are shy. Artists are usually, um, 
it's very hard for they they just like to present their work and hide behind the the scenes yeah. you go to an art gallery and an art opening the artist is in the background it's with, with between all the people but they are just shy to tell you oh yes this is my art piece that's something that a tendency that artists had after two galleries that I that I had for many years. And that's what I learned. The artists are going to hide. Just a few of them are actually going to show up and actually say, oh, yes, this is my piece. But the majorities are going to hide. And uh, that's something that it is hard to get out of your show. This is hard to, I know, to do a podcast. But we deserve to be listened and we deserve to be seen and we deserve to be appreciated. We're storytellers again. I, I, that's, that's my best description of an artist. Or what will be your best description for an artist? We are storytellers. Even as a bartender, what I do during the day, all I do is tell stories all day long. I hear, oh, Miss Ruby, you're so full of stories. I am. I'm absolutely full of stories. I soak in everything around me and everything can become a story. This will be a story one day. <laughs> yes. This will be the butt of many jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you tell an artist that is just starting their career? You got you to grow a tough skin. You got to grow a real tough skin. There's a... Like, I don't know how they say that. There's no crybabies in baseball. Yeah, there's no... There's nothing but crybabies in... In art, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Cry, wipe, wipe. cry, wipe up your tears and move on. You know, like if you're gonna cry about it, paint it because otherwise, like, you're not doing anything about it. And exhibit your work, guys. It's like I have gone to many um, mm. garage <laughs> sales, literally, yeah. when artists have died and their family are selling their art in a garage sale. Why? Because they were too afraid to exhibit their work. They uh, and the family did not appreciate it because they were unknown artists. And you want to actually create who you are. You want to create. Uh, you're creating something, and you're leaving a legacy. And if you leave a legacy, probably your family are not gonna sell your art in a in a garage sale. So show your art, exhibit your art. Have the guts. We all can do it. We did it. And what else would I like to um, add to that? It's okay to take a hiatus. It's absolutely okay to take a hiatus. Many artists have done it. Um, I think as hard as other people are on artists, we're even harder on ourselves. We can have a tendency to become very depressed if we're not creating. Uh, you know, we feel very tiny when we're not creating, and sometimes we feel very huge when we are. But it's a combination of the two all the time. But, you know, it's just be, don't be as harsh on yourself. Like just, even if you aren't necessarily painting anything at the time, just soak it in. Don't forget to soak in every single moment because that's going to feel something. That will feel something along the way. I mean, I feel it. I get the itch every once in a while and I might just be watching anime in bed, but I pull out pens and my bed's covered in markers and paper and all kinds of stuff in no time. But it's just, you can't, you don't just give it up entirely. I mean, there's no real hiatus for a painter or an artist. It's just, you might, you might be hiding from society, but you know, the art's just still with you. It doesn't go anywhere. 
Yes, because also artists, we have artist blocks. Yeah. And I believe writers have our uh, writer blocks, uh, uh, also musicians, actors, all of us, all the mm-hmm. artists in general, we have blocks. How do you deal with them? Mm. It's a tough one, but all we, we all pass through that. How do I deal with them? Um, that's a tough one. You know, they it it varies. When I was living in Colorado, for instance, I wasn't really painting a whole lot during that time. But I think it's because I was just soaking in my my environment. I hiked a lot. I hiked a lot, and I took a lot of pictures. I just tried to find anything visually appealing to to go to whether it was a pretty background or at the time I was also doing makeup. So I wasn't necessarily painting, but I was painting people's faces and creating art on people's faces every single day. So, I mean, either way, I was still finding an outlet to create. Um, There's no, like I said, there's no such thing as a role block necessarily. It's, you just haven't emerged back into society again. (laughs) And it's like changing media. It's like I, I notice with myself when I I go to an artist's block, a uh, painter's block, I go then to the writer's block, or then I go to the sculptor's, uh, to the uh, doing the sculpture, and then so forth. And then after that, I go again to painting. And like that, that's how I, I deal with my, with the blocks that mm-hmm. I, I go through and uh, just changing scenery. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I think I tend to do it with jobs, though, because I, I feel like I can tackle both at the same time. For instance, now I I make drinks, you know, and at one point I was very artistic. At one point I was baking and that's also creating and people look to you for that. Like you become a person's favorite baker. You become a person's favorite bartender. Um and it's funny because the whole time that you're creating things, you don't even realize that you're kind of your own therapist. And then you become the therapist for other, others, whether they're eating their feelings or drinking them away. <laughs> you're like at the back, you know, you're in, you're in the background. You're you're somehow. But you also always got a facility. You're a natural healer, but. Maybe, you know, maybe, but it's, I don't know. It's or maybe it's just having a way with people. I don't know what it is, but it's just I don't know. Artists are charismatic people, and they if they're not doing what their specialty is, they're gonna find another one like what you do. What would you differentiate uh, an artist uh, from a regular people like uh, someone that do not paint? or do not create anything, play music or sing or act, or someone that is not into the art world. What is the difference between the creative person and the non-creative person? I think there's those that appreciate the creation, and then there's those that have to create. You know, Maybe they don't have such a large appreciation because they're not as educated or they're not as what some people would say cultured but um that can grow i mean an appreciation for something can grow a love for something can grow it's just you know like you said the artist has to not be so scared and just come out of their shell more and 
and educate educate their their community really that hey i'm here this is this is us like really when we paint we're we're painting everything around us and this i mean they're as much a part of the painting as our small story is a part of the painting maybe they just don't see it that way yet i feel that uh many times we feel judged by them because we're not we prefer to paint than be cleaning the house we prefer to uh, to start creating something that start uh, dusting or washing clothes you know we have to we still do it but if you ask us what we prefer to do is obviously we create and there's some people that actually prefer you know like I prefer to go and do numbers, you know, bookkeeping. And they're very good doing that, but they are they don't understand the creative side. They go to sleep a certain time. They wake yeah. up a certain time. An artist, we don't have hours. No, we don't. The art comes at any time in the, in the day or the night. Yeah, it does. Um, and in many forms, I tattooed my toes in the middle of the night a few weeks back <laughs> just i don't know where do you consider that i know we're going to get into a little bit more of spiritual that i'm trying not to get into much into the spiritual part in uh in in this podcast but then you you um it sounds for me like we receive messages at any time and painting. that's what we feel that we need to paint at that time. Painting is spiritual. It is very spiritual. I think um, artists are maybe very in tune with a different part of themselves. And in being in tune with a different part of yourself, um, you know, you open yourself up to a lot, whether it be um, messages or channeling or whatever people want to call it, um, a pull. Um, I don't know. Some people say like I was just drawn to do something or inspired to do something in the moment. I don't care what you call it. Um, I've definitely felt it, and at crazy times, and I don't know. Yeah, there's there's absolutely everything spiritual about painting. I don't think there's anything wrong about it. I mean, if if it wasn't the case, you know, we wouldn't have the Sistine Chapel. Yes. Uh, what is your next step as an artist? To paint something else, probably. <laughs> what will be your your dream life as an artist? You have the choice, and mm. here, Ruby, you don't have to worry about anything. What will be your dream as an artist? Um, that's a really tough one. That's a really tough one, because like I said, the dynamic of my life has changed a lot in the last year. So I'm kind of on a new adventure to rediscovering myself and just, just taking on different stuff that I hadn't been able to do before. And I think that dream is has changed a little bit. The dream has changed a yes. lot. And I think if I if I were to put something to it right now that I have thought of, maybe um it allowing for travel, for more travel, seeing more and being inspired by the the land's palettes, really. Uh, I know Colorado is real pretty, and I know that the, the next collection is probably going to include a lot of those colors in it. Um, I don't know what will come out of it, 
But what will be your uh, your dream life? Like someone managing your art and you just create? Oh, heck yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yes, I, believe that, that's, I believe that's the dream life for any painter. Someone sell it for me, let me just create. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I just go to an art exhibit and be pretty. <laughs> and sometimes not even that. Like sometimes you just want to be able to hide at the art exhibit, not have anybody ask you anything. But at the same time, we've been curators and we've been the organizers yes. of art exhibits. So we've had to be the face many times. Yes, we had. So how did that work at the same time? Ah, uh, that's really funny, you know, that you asked that because the only thing I could think of when you said that is this one experience we had in San Antonio where we didn't think anyone knew us together. <laughs> <laughs> and this young guy in some really risque shorts. <laughs> Uh, he just came out of the woodworks and from across this huge gallery yells, Monica Ramirez, is that you? And we both turn around, you know, and I guess uh, the guys from the 80s. Yeah, and you know, we were dressed very well. We were dressed really well, really well that night for our exhibit. And you're kind of taken back when someone looks like they just popped out of a rave. You know, I mean, I don't knock anybody. I like raves too, but... <laughs> It was just funny. It was very funny to, you know, to see ourselves in that light, dressed so formal and not, you know, not. But it's cool because you see that. I don't know. You see that full circle of your your art inspiring all walks of life, and that's yes. awesome. And it felt like when we were organizing art exhibits, actually, we were pushing people. To start creating and exhibiting their work. Yeah, we, we work with many uh, artists that they were just starting. Absolutely. I mean, if I look back at it now, I see so many of these painters that have, they, that was really, I mean, not to toot our horns or anything like that, but that was really a springboard for a lot of them. And it's been awesome to see their growth, you know, because. Mm -hmm. You don't, like I said, I don't want to take credit for any of that, but it's just cool to know that you were part of that story. You know, that's, that's what community is. That's what it is to, to commune with your artists and, and to really help each other out. I feel happy and mm -hmm. because they, they did it. It is. It's very gratifying. It's extremely gratifying. I know that there was a few ladies at the time that we met in San Antonio and I'm not going to mention names or anything. Yep. I'm not here to, I'm not here to really, you know, put anybody else's work out there. This is, this is about me right now. I'm just joking. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's really fabulous. <laughs> but I look, I look at some of her stuff sometimes. I do follow her on Facebook and I always shout out to her, you know, Hey man, that your stuff's looking great. And she was just this older lady who I think just felt kind of, uncomfortable with who she was or how she appeared and to look back at her now and see how she's just really coming to who she is as an individual even in her older age and to see where her work is at now is super cool because that gives me hope I'm I'm 35 I don't mind saying that but <laughs> it I say it gives me hope because it doesn't there's no age limit on painting and becoming a painter or an artist like it's just one day you pick it up and you keep going with it or you don't and like I said there's no age limit she was probably like 
early 50s when I met her. And I mean, that was like nine years ago. So she's probably close to 60 now. She's funky as all get out. She's cool, though, you know, and she's come a long way. Yes, I, I have seen that transformation and it feels great. It is. It's neat. Yes. It's neat to know that, you know, some people maybe didn't feel themselves and you felt them enough to or push them along the way. Or they did not believe enough in themselves that they can do it. Yeah, it's exactly and it. And we did help in that area. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, when you throw so many events in an area and you're nurturing that area's artist community, that means nurturing the one that is has no confidence in their work to the most inflated egos and yeah. it's not your job to decipher in between it's just your yeah. job to love on them the whole way through and just be there to push them you know and yeah to push their art yeah that's all you're there for and whatever they do with it from there is up to them and i don't know i i've en i've enjoyed seeing that it's cool I mean, maybe I'm not as far as where I would like to be, okay. but do get there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I don't know. Like I said, new dynamic, new work, right? Yes, a new collection. Absolutely, yeah. A new it's collection is a new start. Every time that an artist go to a block, when they start again, they uh, they start a new collection, a new palette, a new colors, new everything, right? Yeah. The next ones, since I've spent so much time in the snow, all blank canvases. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sign just my name in the corner. <laughs> with a black dot in there, it says, oh, that, that's Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> that's Ruby in the snow. <laughs> you were here. <laughs> oh, Do you have something else to say um, before we like, close down? My coffee got cold. <laughs> <laughs> and the next week in artists in the heart of our artist talk, we're gonna have Cari Franco. That her art, and she also do art exhibits, and she's gonna start a podcast too. Very and cool. she's uh, part of a, a group of uh, of a group of artists that they're all females from Pintoras Mexicanas that we are part of it too. And uh, and it's gonna be in Spanish. I just um let you know then um hopefully i'll see you the next week thank you guys it thank was you. our pleasure it was, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> to have to have you here and you see the replay just please uh hashtag replay i will appreciate that thank you bye-bye thank you for joining me today I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramireswarrioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.